morning. Um, Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. In the back, we hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. And don't know to learn more about Celebration Church, like that, please visit um, us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And so we appreciate everybody's generosity and helping to carry forth the mission. Um, well, this morning, we're going to kick off a series. We're going to spend the next six weeks um, on this, uh, looking at this concept. And um, it was just a real big deal to me to just lay some real groundwork in the beginning of this year, especially coming out of 2020, um, you, know, a, uh, you know, having a new year that it was less about celebrating the beginning of a new year and it was more about saying goodbye old year. And so that's not the way it normally works, that we're just like, pack your bags, 2020, um, you know, you're out of here. And then we get into 2021 and it's like, it's camping on the porch and it's just didn't really leave. We're like, I thought we told you to go 2020 and you're still here. And, uh, and so as we are dealing with, all of these same issues, dealing with all of this stuff that, of course, we spent the last three weeks um, reminding ourselves that, that Jesus came to give us life and life to the full and that that's what we should be looking for. It's so easy to have got into the rhythm to kind of pare down, say what's bare bones, what are the essential things we need to do um, and begin to try to, to, to live on that front. Um, but so many times that can begin to creep into our spiritual lives and the lives as, as, a, as a whole. And that Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. And we need to begin to embrace that mindset. And we begin to look at that over the last three weeks. And so today, um, what we want to do is again, have the right mindset as we are moving forward. And th this series is called So I Hope. And because most of us, go into 2021 and being asked questions about the year and there's response over and over again is, I hope so. Are we gonna do this? I hope so. Are we gonna be able to go on vacation? I hope so. Are we gonna be able to do this or that? I hope so, I hope so, I hope so. And most of us, when we say I hope so, it's more kind of like fingers crossed, maybe, maybe not. But we're called to live lives of faith. We're called to look to God, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so with this, we're just turning this on its head a little bit and seeing that we have reason to hope. We don't have to just say, oh, I hope so. We can say this and this and this is what the scriptures say, so I hope. I hope on purpose. I hope with purpose, I hope understanding that God is at work and he has made some promises. And so with this, we're gonna be looking at this concept of so I hope. So if you go ahead and got your notes open, you're uh, gonna follow along however it is you're gonna do that. This is our lead off concept for this series that our hope in God is what empowers us to truly move forward in the full life that God has given us. And hope is the core. Hope is it. In fact, scripture tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And we'll be spending some time on that in weeks ahead. But hope is this core thing. When in the last series, we spent a little bit of time on this passage of scripture and we're 
it's fundamental to this series that Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That there's a, a purpose that the God of hope wants us to overflow with hope. And we have to understand where does that hope come from? Where does it connect? And it connects with what God has to say. God has to say uh, should affect every part of our lives. It should be one of those things. When we're in a situation, it ought to go. Man, what does God have to say about this issue? It should begin to factor in and begin to be the forefront piece in anything. Uh, with the, our two little girls, we were, I was driving them uh, this week. And um, so they're uh, seven and nine. And of course, like two little sisters, I mean, they'll, they'll like to mess with each other and, and pick on one another. And especially the little one, it's for whatever reason, it's always the little ones, the younger ones that got to just like really push a little bit. And uh, so Pressy, the seven-year-old, was messing with, with Colin, the nine-year-old, and bringing their older brother Carson into this, because Carson's 17, and he is, you know, they're getting the older brother treatment, and he has decided one day that it was just going to be funny to pick one of them up and stick them on top of the refrigerator. So, of course, what a 17-year-old does to a seven-year-old. I mean, they just, here, we'll put you up there. Um, well, they did not... That she did not like it, and so he just sits there and backs up, and she's freaking out and screaming, get me down, get me down, get me down, and uh, then Carson will just look at them and say, fridge time, and they're like, no, 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 and so he's done it to both of them. That's all he has to do. He, don't even, he, he just reaches hands out and say fridge time, and they go into an absolute meltdown, and so uh, uh, Colin does what she calls go boneless. She just She's just like, good luck, buddy, peeling me off the ground, you know. Uh, I'm just going to be a jello on the ground. Good luck getting that on the fridge. And so they are just like, they can't stand fridge seven. That's, they're teasing. And uh, so Pressy, on the way, Colin did something that Pressy did not fully like. So she says, when we get home, I'm going to tell Carson to give you fridge time. And Colin is like, it's like all of a sudden, Pressy just used the nuclear option. I mean, it just like, no, what are you doing here? And uh, she's like, no, that's, you know I hate fridge time. You know I hate fridge time. And, and Pressy's in the back going, fridge time, fridge time. I'm going to Carson fridge time. And then Colin says, you know, the Bible says treat others the way you want to be treated. And Pressy's just quiet. Sister just threw the Bible out. And Pressy doesn't say a word. And then Colin says, yep, I played that card. And I just cracked up laughing. I was like, you can tell these girls I have older siblings. I was like, I, I don't know that all third graders talk like that. Maybe they do. But, and, uh, but she got into a situation that she did not like 
where this thing was headed. And I appreciate that her little brain says, what does the Bible have to say about it? Now, I don't, the Bible doesn't say fridge time is good or evil or nothing. The Bible doesn't say anything about fridge time. But it does say something about what her little sister was doing to her. And like, I know you don't like fridge time either, so you better quit that. And you treat others the way you want to be treated. And so, and that's the way we need to be wired. So many times we can see something, see something brewing on the horizon. We can see a threat of something headed our way. We begin to see this thing that we don't like begin to be on the edge. And we can either go into lockdown mode. We can try to go spiritually boneless and say, well, maybe it just won't, maybe it just won't bother me or we can find out what the scriptures have to say about art and begin to stand on that. That is where our hope is found. Our hope is found in what is what the scriptures have to say, what God has to say, what his promises have to say. Romans 5.5 says, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. This source of hope is begin, should be the Holy Spirit reminding us, whispering to us, sometimes yelling at us that just because the outcome doesn't look like it's going to be good doesn't mean that that's the way it's got to be. That there's, there's still hope in the middle of hopelessness. In fact, that is where hope makes the most sense. Hope is the strongest in hopeless situations. That's where the power of hope really begins to do it. If I sit there and, and say, man, I, I hope I get to have a bottle of water, when there's a bottle of water right there, there's not much hope, power in that hope. But if I am thirsty and there's nothing inside and all of a sudden the sense that God's gonna provide my needs and there's this hope for water, when I don't see any opportunity to get any water, now all of a sudden that begins to carry me along, hope begins to change the way we interact with life. There was a, a bit of a cruel um, experiment. Um, some of you won't mind because it was done with rats. Um, and so, but the, the years ago, um, they were experimenting to see what, uh, in particularly, um, the power of hope has on these. And so they put these rats in this a tub of water that, and stuck these rats in this tub of water for 24 hours. One tub, they just stuck the rats in there for 24 hours, left them alone. The next tub, they stuck them in the same, same type of vat. And every hour, they would come and grab the rats, lift them up. They wouldn't, give them a, wouldn't put them down. They'd just lift them up, get them up out of the water, and then stick them right back in it. And they would do that every hour. The... the vat of rats that just were left alone for all of them were dead, had drowned in 24 hours. The rats that were lifted up for just a moment and put back in the water, all of them survived and swam for 24 hours. They didn't get this long break. They didn't get to rest their little rat muscles. They didn't get any of that. What they had was this idea that I'm not stuck here. At some point, I'm going to be lifted out of here. And that was enough in their little rat brains to keep them swimming. And the first fat at some point began to systematically give up. They just began to systematically give up. And, and if, a, if a basic animal can be impacted by hope that way, 
then the God who created us, who taught us and, and crafted us in his image understands that hope is absolutely vital to our lives. But the truth is, is we've got to have a reason to hope. And that's why we've been giving all of the promises of the scriptures so that we have a reason to hope, so we can say this, this, and this, so I hope. And hope makes the most sense when it makes the least sense on the surface, when the situations look the least possible. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces, that means nothing between us and God, contemplate the Lord's glory. As we begin to think about the goodness and the amazingness of God, are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. That means it's not the fullness of the glory of God, but we are growing in his glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. See this transforming power is the central part of the, us for, of hope as believers. That God loves us so much that he meets us right where we are. He meets us right where we are. You know, it's one of those things that can be frustrating for believers. Um, when we see things on the news media or different issues and you know, and that somebody does something that we just can't even wrap our minds around and then we find out that maybe they are, maybe they're a believer. Maybe they have something going on in their life. Maybe they've been connected with church and then it's like, you know what? It, it looks like on the, that, you know, that just the spec, whole spectrum of humanity can be found in people who can have connected with God in Christ. And the thing is, is at some point that can be frustrating you're like, okay, well, here's this person. They're a believer. I thought they should be further along than this. And here is what the danger of that is. What then that becomes is, is it becomes that there is this thing, this starting point with God that we begin to impose and say, you know what? That if to start with God, you have to have at least moved this far along. And now you can begin with God. But the beauty of the truth of our God is that he meets us all, all of humanity, right where we are. But his grace is so beautiful. He does not leave us there. He does not leave us there. And so there are places where we get snapshots of different individuals in their place and things are still not reflecting the glory of God, still not reflecting of him. But that doesn't mean they're not his and it doesn't mean they're not on the journey. It doesn't mean that there's not this pr pr progress. It's just in that snapshot, in that moment, it has not yet fully revealed the glory of God. But as we continue to stay connected with him, it is, we are being transformed with ever-increasing glory. And the initial glory is to step over from death to life. And then the rest of that glory is to allow that life to begin to transform our daily lives. And so guess what? Yeah. Yeah. Then that means there'll be some places where we see this and that on Facebook and that and that. Oh, I, I thought they were a Christian. Well, the truth is only God knows whether or not they've placed their faith 
in him. Only God knows that. So we can't judge that. But here's the other part is, is that maybe they are. And maybe they ended up with a very public spot of their early on journey. And you know what? And God is still at work. And you and I, we have to be people who grab a hold of that hope of transformation, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of everybody else and encourage that and push that on and support that and cheer that on. That is what God is doing. And we have to hold on to hope so strong. Our hope is in his transforming power. So as we look at hope, we have to understand that hope must be rooted in God's faithfulness. It's rooted in his faithfulness. Hebrews 6, 19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And I love that it's an anchor. And so it immediately gives us this nautical imagery, okay? Um, There's other places that, you know, that that there are certain things that are foundations. There are things that that are immovable, you know, and they're solid. But this anchor, this anchor imagery is this thing that's, that it's placed on something solid. But a boat that's anchored, it's still, is sitting there and the currents and whatnot will still have some play with it. It'll still, but it's not drifting away from its anchor. The things may push this and things may push that way. The tide may increase it, the tide may go down, but it's not going away. Our hope, sometimes in situations, we can feel ourselves being pushed around a little bit by the, uh, the flow and the current of the events of our lives. And we can't get overly frustrated with ourselves or each other as long as we are staying connected with that, with that hope that's in our lives. And yes, sometimes... We can have days that are good in the middle of things where we're positive and we're, and we're smiling and we feel like we've got the tiger by the tail and things are going good. And then sometimes it's pulling things and we're pointing the other direction. And it's like, man, this is hard and this is tough. But when we stay anchored to hope, man, where it's, it's God who's carrying us when everything looks like it's going to be awesome. And it's God when it looks like we're hanging on by our, by our, our nail beds and we stay anchored into hope. It's this, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And folks, that is the battleground of any of our faith journeys. It's our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we need an anchor for where our thoughts are gonna go, for how, our, how we choose our will, and certainly our emotions. And we'll spend some time talking about that. It enters into the sanctuary. And this is here, remember, this is, we'll find this in Hebrew. So he's writing to the Hebrew people who understand the Judaic system, the Jewish system of worship, okay? Um, a lot of us don't understand that. That's, he's using some imagery here. But here it is, is there was the Holy of Holies and, and, and that there was a veil, a thick veil, and you could not go back in there, but that was where the presence of God was, was on the other side of that veil. And it says, and it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, behind that veil. And so it says, this hope is rooted not in some religious activity on the outside of this thing, where all the courtyard and all these different things and all of the stuff that the priests did, all the religious activities, says, no, this goes to the very presence of God. 
Our hope is anchored, not in religious activity, but in the presence of God. It is is there where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf and has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That Jesus is our high priest. We're not having to be a priest for ourselves. Not somebody else is having to do this. Jesus who did it perfectly. And that is where our hope is. Our hope is in the very presence of God. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. This is why our hope has to be rooted in God and not our hope in, oh, I hope this changes in this certain situation. Oh, I hope this goes this way. Because then what we end up finding is instead of our hope being secure in who God is and what he's promised to do in our lives and us letting God work in that space, what we do is we have hope in our plans, hope in the way we want it to go, and we insert God into that and say, God, sprinkle your fairy dust on this and make this work. And then all of a sudden, now we sit there and we begin to try to get God to bless our plans. And our hope is that it's going to go this way. It's going to be fixed on this amount of time. It's going to go exactly like that. And we begin to impose our will onto this place. And that we have to rest that God's faithfulness is all we need. That he's smarter than us. He knows more of what's going on. And our faith, our trust rests in that. There was a business book that was written years ago. um, It's called Good to Great, written by a guy named Jim Collins. And um, anyways, in that book, he he talks about that these these companies um, that went from just being good companies to being great companies, um, that they all had this thing in common. And it was, he referenced it as the Stocksdale Paradox. And and it's uh, named after uh, um, Admiral Stocksdale, um, who was the highest ranking military off- officer in the Hanoi Hilton um, during the Vietnam War. And he was um, in there for, for years and years. It was just a, a brutal prison camp during the Vietnam War. Uh, it was incredibly terrible. And in that time period, um, then when he was interviewed, when he got out of it, it came out in an interview that um, about surviving in this brutal prison camp. And they found that the, they, that the people who survived this brutal prison camp had this paradox, that they were willing to address and look at the brutal facts of what were ahead of them. But they never lost hope in the end result and how it would go. And so they have this thing that so many times we feel like that if we really look at what's going on, that it will crush our hope. But no, when we really address what the level of miracle, the level of of transformation that we need in our life, that's when real hope can be alive. Living in denial helps nobody. It helps nobody. And when he was interviewed, he was asked, so who were the ones that didn't make it? Who are the ones that didn't make it? And Admiral Stocksdale said, that's easy. It was the optimists. And man, we would think, well, the optimists, man, they they, they should have been the ones to, to... to make it. They should have been the ones to do it. He said, no, no, the optimists are the ones that died. Because they would say, well, you know what? We're going to get released by Christmas. We're going to be released by Christmas. We're going to be released by Christmas. I have my timeline. I have my plan. I have this. It's going to go just this way. And he said, and Christmas would come and go, and 
there'd be a little bit of a heartbreak. There'd be a little bit of deal. Okay, well, we're, we're going to get out by Easter. We're going to get out by Easter. Guys, just be good. We're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come and go, and they weren't released. And he said, and chip by chip, little by little, that they just eventually just died a heartbreak. And they just eventually had, they'd been disappointed so many times. Their hope had been deferred so many times. They just finally lost all hope. But those who understood that Christmas may come and go, but man, we're going to stay strong and we're going to ride this out no matter how long it takes. We're going to ride this out and we're going to get it and we're going at some point, I'm going to be with my wife again. I'm going to be with my family again. I'm going to be in this place again and be able to confront the brutal facts and hold on to hope. I tell you what, um, just in my own growth as a believer, um, I had to really come to grips with this thing um, because by nature, I am wired as a raving optimist. I am just a raving optimist. I mean, my, my glass ain't half full. I mean, it, it can be one-eighth full. And it's like, oh, yeah, my glass, that's one-eighth full. It's basically full. I mean, I'm just wired. You know, Cutie calls it Brandon's world, you know? And so as we are dealing with life situations and family situations and all those different things, and, and I'm like, yeah, it's going to be good. This is going to have, we're gonna, I think this is what, she's like, okay, seriously, is this Brandon's world or have you really prayed about this? And it's a good question. It's a question I need posed to me. I need to be able to do that because I am by nature a raving optimist and in my journey with Christ, here is what I found. I found that I honestly had a hard time deciding and being able to discern whenever I was standing on God's promise because he said it and that was what my hope was in or God's promise aligned with my natural optimistic view. And now it was just like, yeah, God says things are going to be okay. Sure because I already think they're going to be okay. And it was just naturally fit. And there was a point that I began to really, I began to really dislike my optimistic nature because it, it put these blinders on me that I did not really confront what really needed to happen and really deal with things. And, and it would create problems because there would be things that would need to be dealt with. And in fact, there's only one translation of the Bible that has the word optimism in it and in that one translation of the bible that brings that word in it says vain human optimism it's not positive so here's the truth is when when we're here and i'm any of us are talking about the hope we have in christ this is not we're not talking about the power of positive thinking we're not talking about that we're not talking about just, you know, look on the sunny side, always on the sunny side. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the truth of a God who loves you, has given you rock solid promises, that in the middle of your darkest despair, in the middle of your hardest trials is for you and can be leaned on and trusted with all you've got because it is the truth. That is what it is. Vain human optimism is not going to get you the miracle. It's not going to carry you forward. It'll let you go off a cliff with a smile. You get a great final shot 
for your, as you're just going off to your doom. I know because I've driven off a cliff or two with a smile on my face before. I know. And so as we talk about these things, it's not just whipping ourselves up into some sort of positive, good vibe, good energy stuff. It is leaning on the truth that if God says it, it's the truth and we can build our lives on it. That is what this is about. That is why we hope. Not just because hope is more fun than despair, but because we have a reason to hope. That is why we hope. We give our lives to this because it's, it's the truth. In fact, I have a scriptural place where Jesus confirms this very concept. Matthew 8, verses 5 and 6. It should be on your screen. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. The centurion was a, was a Roman soldier. He's not even a Jew. And asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. That's his lead off sentence. My servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Well, aren't you just a ray of sunshine there, Mr. Centurion? Aren't you just really looking at, my servant has hope of walking again. We've stood him up and he's fell every time. But you know what? We think he's going to stand one day. It's all going to be okay. No, he confronted the brutal facts. His servant lied at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. For those who are just into the, just the thing of just the positive confession, just positive confession, then they sit there and, and you shout this guy down. Don't say that. Don't confess that. It was the truth. His servant lied at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? And the servant replied, Lord, I did not deserve to have you come under my roof. So he didn't come with some sort of idea that he had earned anything. All of the merit-based stuff. Well, I've prayed, I've given, I've done all that stuff. He's like, I, I literally, I've got, I, have, I don't deserve anything here. I don't deserve you even to get under my roof. All of the idea of the earning and merit and works has been thrown out the window, which is another key point to us trusting God. We can try to say, God, I've done this and this, and you owe me. Nope, there's no merit here. And so I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. He walked up to Jesus. He started the conversation with Jesus, understanding that his servant lied at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly, but that if Jesus said the word, he would be healed. There was a reality going on, but a word from Jesus would shift that reality. There was another option that was not the final option for his servant. And he understood the brutal facts. He understood what was going on. He had hope in Christ. And Jesus responds, Jesus responds, in verse 10, and it says, and says, I've not found faith this great even in Israel. The people who should be trusting God the most have failed in comparison to this guy. This is the greatest faith he had ever seen. And it was a guy who understood he didn't deserve it, that he had total freedom to act 
asked for it, that there was a situation that was not going to change unless the word came from God. And he says, that is great faith. Folks, that is why we hope, because our ugly, paralyzed, suffering, terribly situations don't have to end that way. That we grab a hold on a word from him. If he has spoken it, we hang on to it and we begin to see things shift. Psalm 25.5 says, guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. The next thing is, is our hope must be rooted in God's wisdom. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Pardon me. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves as sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you then we'll be able to discern what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's ways are higher. Our, our hope is in his wisdom. We can try to analyze our situations and come up with a new plan all we want, but we've got to trust in his wisdom. And it's only by letting our minds be renewed that we can then begin to discern what his way is. Proverbs 26, 12 says, do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for them. That is why we have to be willing to not just ask God to sprinkle his fairy dust on our brilliant little plan that we're so confident of, but really submit ourselves to him and say, God, I want your will be, to be done, not mine. Our hope also must be rooted in God's grace. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Why can we boast in the hope of the glory of God? That means things aren't what they should be, but we're confident God is going to be able to carry them forward because there's grace that we're standing in. And as we're closing this up today, I want you to make sure. So many times we feel like grace is this thing where God kind of looks like what we bring to the table and then grace is what he pours on to kind of finish the measure, okay? Oh, you're gonna need a little more grace. You're gonna need a little more grace. That it sit there and we kind of do our best and God does the rest and he adds up to and that. No, grace is not this little thing that God has to pour out on us when we don't quite measure up. Grace is where we stand. Grace is our foundation. That means there's already sufficiency. There's already supply. There's already everything within our grace is where we stand. And that's why we can hope because it's not, we're not waiting for something to come along and fix it all. We already have the fix. That's where we're standing in is his grace. And that's why we can be confident that he who's begun a good work is gonna be faithful to finish it. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
He is at work in our lives, folks. See, God's faithfulness, God's wisdom, God's grace, these things, these are who God is. And our bottom line this morning is this, that hope is naturally grown when God's nature is known. That's why we want to know him better and trust him more. Because as we know his nature, we will naturally begin to trust him in more space. We'll naturally begin to trust him in more areas of our lives. And it's just naturally grown where his nature is known. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.